to Totalus Rankium. This week, edition of Roman Emperors Hotels Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Augustus. And this is round six. No, sorry, VI, I apologise. And it's been a year <gasps> since our last festive episode. It has. Yeah, Emilianus, if I remember correctly. Really? Yeah, That's yeah. Good memory. And um, since that went so well, mm. I think we'll do the same special effects for this year. What were they? If you just imagine every emperor that we're talking about to be wearing a fab Christmas hat. Oh, yes. It's now a festive episode. Yay! So everyone's festive today. Yep, I've got my yeah. festive jumper on. You are. It's a very nice Christmas jumper. I'm impressed. Oh, does it light up? It did, but I cut the cords on it so it doesn't anymore. Uh, that's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit too frightening to the children in my class. Oh, Okay. It's strobe lights. I could probably tie a battery up to it quite easily. But... Okay. You can do that whilst I'm talking. Okay. The challenge. <laughs> By the end of the episode. The weird mechanical sounds. <laughs> Are you making the batteries from scratch? Yes. I need some copper, some nickel or zinc. I have no idea and how you make a battery. Else. Or a cell. Lemon. Singular. Lemon, Lemon and a potato. Yeah. 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 We, we'd figure it out, we would. But this isn't science to tell us, Ryan Kim. No, that's next week. <laughs> Today we are going to be looking at the round of death. Ooh. You thought last week was hard to choose. Yeah. And uh, as did many other people. It's the most uh, controversial of our, our rounds so far. Although, interestingly, so far our public poll on Twitter is agreeing with our results from last week. I think that's only because they listen to the episode and they know that we're going to pick. So they put that to go, yeah, oh, I agree. Yeah, probably, probably. But understandably, <laughs> some people were sad to see Vespasian go and Gallienus to go. Well, Gallienus just... Uh... Oh, I did like Gallienus. I was sad. He's interesting, he yeah. But... yeah. Oh, well, decision's been made now. Yep, he's dead. Can't change it. And we need to move on to this week, but not until we look at... And this week, it's our final scores. Ooh. Not much to discuss, I'm just going to tell you a couple of things. Although you can predict who was the highest scoring of the dynasties. Theodosian. Julio-Claudian. Theodosian, seriously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, Antonine, Nerva, Nerva, Antonine, nine, nine. No, they came third. Oh, Julio-Claudian. No, they came second. Um, oh, Constantinian. No, they came just just below the Nerva Antonines. I've forgotten them. I don't know anymore. It is, and you do this every week. You always forget the Flavians. Oh, yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> there you go. Flavians actually came out top. There's only three of them, and all three did rather quite okay. well. They got an average score of 40.03. Wow, that is very good. That is, that is very good. I mean, that is an average score that would almost have put them in the top 10. Mm. Yeah, so really good there. Julio-Claudian's come second with 35.9. And then third place is the Nerva Antonines with 31.89. <laughs> Obviously, our worst of the dynasties, if you can call them that, are the last nine emperors, <laughs> scoring an average of 8.89. Oh, that's sad, isn't it? And if you took Majorian out of that, it probably would have just been two. Yeah. Yeah. So, but at least we now know the best dynasty. Yeah. One of Flavian's. 
well done. They can take their certificate home, hang it on the wall. Oh, frame it. Frame it. Or least fridge. They could if they weren't fed to the lions so far. Yeah. Well, Domitian's yeah. still alive. That's true. He might survive. Mm. Right, our worst, most embarrassing emperors. Go for it. These are the emperors who may as well not have been there. Okay. Emperors who were just embarrassingly pathetic, so we gave them no scores. Taking up space on the poster, pretty much. Exactly. Right. In reverse order, bottom 10th. 10th place is Numerian, 3.68. Then we've got Valentinian 2, 3.13. Yeah, he was terrible. He was. (laughs) This is just a list of terrible emperors. Constantine the 3 on 2.75 is next. That's quite generous. Yeah, well, he did try and bishop himself at the end. That was quite (laughs) funny. Then poor Jovian on 2.59. I do feel sorry for Jovian being so low. There was nothing he could do. No. He was left abandoned in a desert surrounded by enemies. An idiot prior emperor. (laughs) Yes. Then we have Balbinus on 2.53. He did not do well. No. No, then Severus 3... On an amusing score of one. Yeah. And then we go sub one. In fourth place, we have Alibrius on 0.58. Then in third place, Hostilian, 0.55. Yeah. It's what happens when you die of the plague and do nothing. Second to last, Augustulus. Yeah. And mere 0.11 for him. But he is very lucky that there is one other emperor that we deemed more pathetic than Augustulus. Go on. On an amazing 0.01, literally the lowest score it's possible to score, it's Quintilus. Yeah, it is. But, of course, then we have the paradox. Because technically, this list is pretty much how interesting they are. It's a culmination of all their points. Yeah. But by scoring this lowly, these ten automatically become interesting. Oh, man. So, these aren't the most boring. They are boring, they're just... Pathetic. They're pathetic. Yeah. Yeah, I think we might need to think about who the most boring is. Someone who scores right in the middle, and we've already forgotten what they did. Someone like Florianus, for example. Who? Exactly. Yeah. I think he might be the most boring. Mm. So, of course, now we go on to our top ten. Oh, yeah. This is the big one. The beef eaters. Yes, that's what they're known <laughs> as, for some reason. In tenth place, with a mighty 42.63... Is Hadrian. Yeah. Well done for getting in the top ten. Yeah. Was not expecting that. Ninth place, Vespasian, 43.19. Oh, if only he'd reached the semis. <laughs> then in eighth place is his son, Domitian, 43.63. Dead happy to be his dad. Oh, he'd be chuffed to bits. Yeah. Then we have Trajan on 44.63. Trajan's lower than I expected. Yeah, yeah. And then we have the two surprisingly high ones. In sixth place is Theodosius on 45.63. Good score. Very good score. Yeah. And then we have Valentinian on 47.38. An incredibly high score for someone, and I'm not entirely sure why it's so high still. I used to see he was a good all-rounder, wasn't he? He was a good all-rounder when he had the bears. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Still. We then go to fourth place, just missing the podium is Augustus. Oh. 48.25 for about half of the entire podcast he was yeah. in the lead. Yeah. And then he was pipped to the post a bit at the end. Then we have in third place, just ahead of him by half a point, is Diocletian on 48.75. He did well. He did do very well. And then in second place, Constantine the Great. 51.88. We're in the 50s club. Yeah, that's a good score. 
Yeah, I mean, he didn't really excel anywhere, but he did very well in yeah, all rounds. A massive headed statue. And he did have a massive statue. And of course, our winner, top scorer, and we're talking about him today. <gasps> it's Aurelian on 52.13. Now, I get a feeling he might be going into the semis. Well, you say that, but let's discuss it as we talk about. Round because yes, he is high. He's our top scorer. But this really is the round of death. This is tough. Is it? Because we have Aurelian, Hadrian, Domitian, and Commodus all in the same <laughs> round. Oh my goodness. Yeah. This is going to be hard for all of them. Wow. Now, obviously, I seeded this to make sure that we had an even spread of high achievers. Yeah. But... All of these are high achievers in one way or another. Ooh. This is going to be tough to select. This, is, this feels oh. more like a semi-final to me. Yeah, I know yeah, what you mean. This is, this is a tough round. I'm actually quite anxious now because yeah. you know, people, some people were very angry about the last one. <laughs> really scary angry. I've had death threats, Rob. Genuine death threats. Yeah, genuine death threats. Yeah. I mean, it was from my mother. but Yeah. Um, but this, I feel that I won't, I won't live to see Christmas. <laughs> That's only four days away. I know. Yeah. Um, well, we'll have to see what happens, won't we? Okay. Let's go through their lives, and then we'll have to decide. Let's start with... Brilliant. The big guy himself. Mm. A top scorer in the entire series. He was born in 214, and his family were farmers. He joined the army roughly when Thrax took over the empire. He did very well for himself, and soon the stories of his bravery in battle were being shared by all. He was promoted to Centurion the highest someone of his background could reasonably expect to get to. How wrong they were. Oh, yes, because then Gallienus bans the Senate from taking military careers. Suddenly, that glass ceiling is smashed wide open. He's going for that brass ring. What? It's an American <laughs> phrase when you try and grab the brass ring. You try. Oh, I'm going to have to learn these for our presidency. Yeah, aren't you, I? Need to, you need to. Yeah, okay, yeah. fair enough. He used to watch wrestling as well. He's learn all this stuff. He's going for the brass ring. Yeah. That's what he's doing. He first becomes a tribune. And then commanded a legion, and then he becomes a dux. Oh, so you're yeah. a duke from. Yes. Yes, it is. A remarkable climb up the ladder for someone who started so lowly. Then in the 250s, he defeats a group of Franks. We don't have many details on that, but we know he does, which is good. Later on in this decade, he's given the job of envoy to the Persians. Ooh, that's quite a responsibility, I guess, you know. Yeah, yeah, and he seems to do quite well. Okay. He was given an elephant as a gift. <laughs> Oh, but I he, remember that. Yeah, he wasn't allowed to keep it, though. You weren't allowed to own elephants. They had to belong to the state, so he had to give it away. Do you think he tried to... It's, it's a dog. <laughs> Just try to hide it. Yeah. yeah. It's a dog, honest. Come on, Fido. <laughs> Fetch the stick. <laughs> That's a treat. Oh, never mind. <laughs> so he had to give it away, which is a shame. Oh. Around this time, Valerian is captured, turned into a hat stand. We're not really sure what Aurelian does at this point, but by the end of Gallienus's reign, he is with Gallienus. It's impossible to know for sure, but it seems likely that he was part of the plot to assassinate Gallienus. Okay. After all, Claudius too soon becomes the emperor after that, and Aurelian is supporting Claudius too. Yeah. So he was probably in there, knife in hand. Rocking other. Aurelian is then given command in the Danube. This effectively puts him in charge of the entire army. He's Claudius II's number two. 
Claudius and Aurelian then spend a year fighting on the Danube when news comes through that Egypt was taken and the Vandals were invading. And then Claudius dies, oh. as covered in his episode. Quintilus is then declared emperor. <laughs> yeah. The Danube forces hear of this and just go, well, they essentially make the noise you just made. <laughs> yeah, they instantly back Aurelian. Quintilus does the only thing sensible and kills himself immediately. <sighs> Aurelian becomes emperor at the age of 56. Quite an old. Yeah, he's, he's not a young whippersnapper. If he's so old, you wouldn't expect him to do so well, but... Oh, but he does. Oh, he does. Because he looks around the empire and realises it's a mess. <laughs> the east is gone, the west is gone, there's uprisings everywhere, there's invasions everywhere. It is essentially the same as what was going on in Gallienus' episode. Yeah. Zenobia was now in charge of the Palmyrene Empire and was doing just as impressively as her husband Odonathus had done. If not more so, because she had gone and claimed Egypt. Oh dear. The Gallic Empire was going strong in the west. Victorinus was in charge over there at this time. And the Vandals, as I said, were invading as well. Oh, and so were the Jethum guy. Brilliant. Oh, and Rome itself was starting to revolt. Oh, okay. Yeah. Things look bad. Time to sort this out. Oh. oh yes Montage <laughs> Massive montage He first defeats the Jafungi They surrendered and he left his generals to sort them out Whilst he headed to Rome to sort out the revolts there However news soon comes through That his generals had let some of the barbarians escape oh. That's a shame So Aurelian swings round and chases all the bands of the Jafungi down However by this time the Vandal invasion was in full force So Aurelian realises he now has to go and sort that out rather than get back to the capital. He defeats the Vandals. He places a large portion of them in his army, and then at last was able to head to Rome. However, on the way, Roger turns up. This time it's the Alamanni. <laughs> Yay! Aurelian sends them a note, telling them to turn back. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be great if that's just all it said. Turn back. <laughs> Just stop. his signature at the bottom. Yeah. I get the feeling if this was at the end of his career, then yeah. the Alamanni would have done. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> no, the Alamanni do not respect Aurelian at this point. And instead of turning back, they launch a surprise attack. The Romans come out of this badly. This is Aurelian's low point. He is defeated. Oh, loser. The Alamanni split up to avoid a counterattack. Aurelian then spends several months chasing all the separate groups down to a man, and he does so. By this time, Rome is very shaky. People are not happy there. They're not impressed with this new emperor. He doesn't seem to be doing a great job. Then Aurelian gets to Rome. The city is in full revolt by this point. However, the city could not withstand the might of the army, and all the mints were taken relatively easily. If you remember back to his episode, all these revolts started the mints. Is it a soft chew mint or a hard mint? Extra strong Extra strong. That's why it was hard to put down. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. The Historia Augusta claims that 7,000 people died in Aurelian putting this revolt down. That's a lot. That is a lot. Apparently, three other uprisings happen at this time, but we have no details on them. Aurelian puts them all down successfully. Oh, brilliant. He realises he needs to do something to cheer up the Romans. The Roman Romans, who live in Rome. So he destroys all the records of debt, wiping out debt completely, and then orders that the city be given protective walls. 
That'd cheer me up. Yeah, cheers everyone up. <gasps> the Aurelian Walls. The Aurelian Walls are then built. Yes. yes. This was enough to turn public opinion. The Senate were less than impressed, however. We want our money. Now that the invasions were pushed back and the internal revolts put down, Aurelian could focus on getting two-thirds of the Empire back. Yes. He decides to get the East back first. Okay. Puts together everything he has, then heads towards Asia Minor, travelling through the Danube region. Unfortunately for the Goths, they have decided this exact moment to go and invade the Danube region. Of course. They were not expecting the entire Roman army to be <laughs> passing through. Oh! <laughs> so okay. Aurelian then stops and defeats the Goths. Do you think he did it in a kind of like a... Oh, kind of way. Here Probably. we go again. Well, he pushes them back, but then he does something that no one had really done before. Once they get them to the river, the Goths jump across the river, because it's easy to jump over the Danube. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Take a running jump, you'll be fine. Um, yeah. Jump. So once they get over the Danube... Woo, we're safe. That's what they were thinking. Aurelian follows. No, no! It's against the rules! <laughs> Is that a river? He chases them down and murders them all. Goths suffer such a huge defeat, they are not out of action for decades. <laughs> At this point, because he also knows that he needs to start getting the East back, he sends one of his generals down to Egypt. This is probably Probus, the future emperor. Oh. Probus does indeed get Egypt back. Nice. So, that's the Danube secured and Egypt back. Well done there. It's at this time Aurelian decides that Dacia was a drain on resources. and It'd be far simpler just to defend the Empire if it was all on this side of the river. He does not abandon Dacia, however, <laughs> because he moves it south of the river. Which is such <laughs> and a... lift! <laughs> it's such a genius political move. Yeah. It shouldn't work. But just the, the balls of it just makes you want to clap slightly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They've still got their pride, but Dacia's now here. Yeah. And it's defended. But surely, no. Look at the map. It's it still there. Dacia. Look. I just moved it to a more secure position. <laughs> I'm sure the people of Dacia were thrilled. Their homeland was now more secure on that side of the river. Oh, yeah. So, after doing this minor map work, he then enters Asia Minor. His reputation had grown by this point, and the Power Marines decide to fall back to Syria and defend their empire from there. Aurelian breezes through Asia Minor, and then finally comes across the first resistance. It's a city that guards the pass over the mountains into Syria. A siege starts. They take the city quickly, and everyone expects the worst. Aurelian doesn't suffer fools gladly. Everyone's expecting a massacre by this point. But then Aurelian surprises everyone. He forgives the city. Ooh. This surprise clemency works perfectly. Cities that were ready to fight to the death realise that there is actually a way out. They can give up, and they can live. Nice. City after city start to declare for Aurelian. Then 40 miles out of Antioch, they meet the Palmyrene army. They fight. Zenobia's superior cavalry is led on chase after chase to purposely wear them out. And this tactic works. Once they're wilting, Aurelian's troops are able to sweep in and win the battle. Remember, this is the battle with the oven horses. I was about to say, yeah, yeah. I was trying to remember the name. Yeah, so uh, everyone's just wilting in their ridiculous armour. have to install central heat into them. <laughs> It's too hot. We'll turn, turn it down to gas mark too. Come on, you're on fiver. Despite winning the battle, however, a large force managed to retreat, and Aurelian gives chase. So they meet again, and Aurelian wins again. Zenobia then falls back to the desert city of Palmyra itself. A siege takes place, one that Aurelian wins, and he captures Zenobia. He then spends some time fighting in the east, making sure that everyone now knows exactly who owns the east. It is back in the Roman fold. Me. Yes. 
However, he can't stay long because news comes through that the Carpi have invaded the Danube. Oh, fish people. Fish people are there, so Aurelian sets off. He gets to the Danube and he defeats the Carpi. Pulls them out of the river. Yeah. <laughs> they all suffocate. However, then news reaches him that Palmyra has revolted. <sighs> and so has Alexandria and Egypt. <sighs> So he marches back east with such speed that he catches the Palmarines by surprise. They've only just started to really figure out how they're going to revolt. So the ink, the ink was still wet on the revolution document. So I hereby revolt, signed... Uh, who's, who's knocking on the door? Answer the door for me. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, Aurelian's not happy. No, you wouldn't be. Yeah, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, I will kill you all. <laughs> Raise your city to the ground. <laughs> Say so he does so. The city is utterly wiped out. It never recovers. Oh, no, dear. Okay. Yeah. And then he puts on his cloak and says, right, I'm off to Alexandria. Ah. <laughs> That's that one done. <laughs> he sweeps south and simply puts down the Egyptian revolt in no time at all. I love that. It's just like a, it's just. I think we'd, we'd call it like whack a mole at some point with another emperor. But it feels a bit like that. It's like bash, bash, bash. Well, yeah, but doing it really well. That's it. Aurelian's story is Gallienus's story. Yeah, but he wins every time. And Gallienus won every time, but he also lost. Yeah. Whereas Aurelian is, it's just. What, what's that? I need to sort that out. Oh, okay then. I'll go and sort that he's out. Just, he's just steaming through like a hurricane. Yeah, it's amazing. So, two-thirds of the Empire are now back in his control. Time to go and get the final third. He makes his way to Gaul. <laughs> we don't know the details, but we do know that Aurelian defeats the Gallic Empire, either in battle or through political manoeuvring. The leader of the Gallic Empire gave up and ended up with a job within the Aurelian administration. So we figure that maybe there was a bit of dealing going on. Fair enough. He knows when to use politics as well as force. And that's important. That is important. At this point, he is given the name the Restorer of the World. <laughs> he then spends a while attempting to get the economy to work, but it, it doesn't do too well here. It's a mammoth task, that. Mm. Diocletian eventually kind of gets it to work. Uh, but Aurelian didn't have as much joy. Didn't have enough time, really. He also figures that having one god in common across the entire empire would be a really useful thing. It would connect everyone. So he pushes the idea that Sol Invictus, the sun god, is the most important yeah. god in the pantheon. This paves the way for Constantine, several years down the line, to do exactly the same. Sol Invictus being strongly linked with Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So he lays the foundations for Constantine's starting to convert. Nice. Yeah. Then he plans to invade the Persians. He's got to avenge Valerian for a start. Yeah, yeah. He wants his hat sent back. But on the way, he was assassinated by one of his men who had fallen out of favour. And then if you remember afterwards, everyone went, oh no, what have we done? <laughs> no one, Good God, no! No one wanted to be the emperor because everyone realised whoever claimed to be the emperor would be blamed for Aurelian's death. Yeah, oh yeah. This is where it got passed backwards and forwards between the Senate and the army for a while. Then saying, no, no, you decide. And it'd be the equivalent of... If you're a band in the 1970s, in 1977, getting Led Zeppelin to open for you. Oh. And then trying to play after them. Oh, that's Imagine not, that. That's not good. No. No. And you're a funk band. <laughs> tough gig. Very tough gig. Yeah. yeah, it would have been. And indeed it was. But that is Aurelian. He is our top scorer. Yeah. One sentence summary for him. He restored the empire. 
That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. I, he, he is the turning point of the crisis. It's all downhill until him. Gallienus slowed it down and did a very impressive job, but Aurelian's the one who lifts it up. Oh, in a massively ballsy way. Two-thirds of the empire was gone, and his reign is only five years. Wow. He did all of that in five years. He didn't get a chance to stop, did he? No, it's amazing. So He scored 20 fightiest Maximus. He is our fightiest emperor. Understandably, he was very impressive. Mm. Approbium Crasium, he scored nine. Successors Ultimus, another 20. He's the only emperor to get full marks in two rounds. Yeah, oh, interesting. Imagofacius. 2.5, nothing special there. Mm. Tempo Completo, as I said, five years, but giving him a total of 52.13, <sighs> ranking top. Yeah, that's not surprising at all. He's going to be very hard to beat, but we do have three more very impressive names. It's true. So let's go on to... <laughs> he was born in 76 to a wealthy senatorial family. When he was 10, his parents died, and he was put under the care of a family friend, Trajan. Yeah. He was very well educated and became obsessed, utterly obsessed with Greek culture. He loved the Greeks. That's why he's the beard. Yes, definitely. This is why the beard starts. Because he loved the Greeks and he wanted to emulate the fashion. This is why points for Imagofacius went up massively. It was... Yes, it did. <laughs> he was then called to Trajan's side and he served as a military tribune, not once but twice at this point, which was unusual. Usually you'd do it once and then climb the ladder, but obviously he felt at home doing this job. It was around this time that Trajan was named the heir of Nerva. It was Hadrian himself who rode north to let his adopted father know. Hadrian then serves as a tribune for the third time under Trajan himself. And then Trajan becomes the emperor. A couple of years later, Hadrian joins the Senate at around the age of 25. Good career prospects. He's doing all right, that's mm. for sure. He was given a job of reading out Trajan's speeches to the Senate. Did we joke that he had a really funny accent? Well, no, you're just remembering an actual fact. Oh. <laughs> he was mocked for his accent oh, at this time, but apparently after a while he managed to become very eloquent. Right. But to begin with, it was just, Hello! <laughs> Trajan said, <laughs> We'll be the army. What's the noose? Yeah. <laughs> what? What's the noose? Opposite of sooth. Tooth. <laughs> he was probably a bit frustrated at that time. Yeah. Yeah. He then goes with Trajan for the start of the Dacian War, but was soon sent back to Rome with a new title, Tribune of the Plebs. Ooh. Which, by this point, is just a title. Yeah. yeah. It was becoming clear to all that he would become the heir, and he was being kept out of harm's way. By the time of the Second Dacian War, Hadrian was ready to go out and fight. Good. But he was given command in Pannonia, which was a little bit back from the action. So he could say he was there, but he didn't really see any battles. Yeah, saw it from very far away. Yeah, through a telescope. Yeah, which wasn't invented. No, uh, it was just a cardboard tube. Didn't they use? <laughs> didn't they use like um, crystals? They used to look through like focus crystals, like emerald or something. I, I have a weird fact in my head that might not be true. Might be a myth. Like one of the emperors you sit in the the Colosseum, watch gladiatorial fights with a bit of gemstone or something to help them focus a bit better. I I've never come across that but that doesn't mean it's not true maybe I've just not come across it if you're listening and you know let us know yeah yeah for an optometrist <laughs> a what optometrist <laughs> an optometrist yeah one of those around this time he gets married to Trajan's niece oh. the marriage was apparently not happy 
<laughs> Sorry <laughs> to disappoint you there. Yeah, apparently Hadrian had many affairs with both men and women, but paid very little attention to his wife. There is speculation that Hadrian and Trajan's relationship starts to sour at this point. He's Ooh. made consul, but only Suffolk to consul, so he wasn't the first consul of the year, so the year's not named after him. <gasps> yeah, so possibly an indication that Trajan's not happy That's with not... the way his niece is being treated. Hadrian then goes off to Greece to study, and I imagine he had a wonderful time. He stayed there until Trajan was ready to invade the east. Hadrian was given Syria to rule, and it was while ruling Syria that Trajan defeated the Parthians, then became ill, and then died. Oh. News reaches him that he was now the emperor. However, he realises that his hold on power was precarious at best. There was a strong faction in the Senate that wanted to keep Trajan's expansionist program going. They feared that Hadrian was not up to the job of continuing Trajan's work, and they wanted to get rid of him. Aww. Hadrian had the men executed without a trial. <laughs> that solves the problem. <laughs> yeah, not the best of starts. No. What's the first thing you're going to do? Oh, executions without trial. Excellent. Okay. The Senate, understandably, were... Nervous, yeah. those who weren't dead, of yeah. course. It's like trying to, oh dear, there's a you know, a bit of plaster's fallen off a wall. How can I repair that? Sledgehammer! <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like that. Hadrian then starts on what makes him such a beloved emperor today. He works on a policy of peace. What? Just like Augustus, he decided that Rome was as big as it could possibly get. Trajan had achieved a lot, but it was time to consolidate those victories and secure the land gained rather than attempt to expand more. I agree with that. Well, this has won him much praise from historians throughout the ages, because retrospectively you can see that this was actually a very good idea, mm. uh, but many of his contemporaries hated him for it. Well, of course they were, because he's all about honour and pride, we're going to take over the world. He's actually taken a step back from it and gone, hang on, let's, you know, consolidate what we have, otherwise it'll crumble underneath us. Then you've got a, a wood-eaten floor, you're stepping on it, you're going to fall through, break your leg. Yeah. No sick pay in the Roman times, Rob. No. You're liking your DIY metaphors today. I, yeah. Yeah, see how many of those we can fit in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I get your point exactly. After returning to Rome, he gives lots of money away to lots of people to try and cheer everyone up a bit. Yeah. And this, this works enough that he feels safe enough to go on tour. Yay! Woo! This tour was much nicer than Caracalla's tour. Good. <laughs> in 122, he goes through Gaul and then into Britannia. While there, he orders a wall be built along the northern border to help keep an eye on taxing trade, keep rebels, tribes from forming larger groups, and to simply keep barbarians out. It served many purposes to this wall. Good to lean on. Good to lean on, yes. It's uh, uh, jobs. Yeah, a landmark for lost people. Yes, uh, yeah. great for the tourist industry. Yes, he was worried what would happen to Britain in 2,000 years' time. Yeah, now it's fine. Now it's fine, we've got something to look at up north, Yeah, apart from the factories. <laughs> However, it's unlikely that he ever saw the wall. He probably just ordered it. He probably never thought of it again after he ordered it. He'd probably be very surprised to learn nowadays that he is most famous for that wall. It's like when you order something from Ikea on your phone. You've had a few... It, well, or, um, you ever like, order something on your phone on Amazon or something? Yeah. After a few drinks. Yeah. Then it arrives, you should go, Oh! Wow! <laughs> Where that come from? Um, I've never done that. Haven't you? But my partner yeah. quite often gets packages and she goes, I don't remember ordering this. It yeah. must have been late at night. <laughs> While in Britain, 
Something else happens, however. He fires Suetonius for being too close to his wife. <laughs> yeah, he said, on top of the wall. Yes, ignore what I just said about he probably didn't see the wall. No, he was there at the wall, <laughs> and he saw his wife and Suetonius silhouetted against the moonlight, <laughs> a wolf howling in the distance, <laughs> barely masking the sounds of his wife. That's what happened. <laughs> What's that creaking sound? Oh, my God! <laughs> All the mortar's shaking off. <laughs> Serious doubts about the stability of this world. <laughs> Dodgy foundations. Yeah, suppose Suetonius has to has to leave. Apparently he would have divorced his wife if he wasn't the emperor, and he thought that would look bad, so he doesn't divorce his wife. Oh dear. But I can't imagine things were pleasant between them afterwards. Awkward, awkward ride home, I imagine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, the ride home took several more years. So. Ooh, very awkward ride. <laughs> very awkward. Yes, they then go on to Spain, into North Africa, and... Hadrian fights some skirmishes there. News then arrives that a war between Parthia and Rome was a whisker away. Tensions had risen in the east. He needed to get there quickly. So he heads there at once and opens up negotiations with the king of Parthia. War is averted. That's good. Peace talks work perfectly. He then heads through Asia Minor and rebuilds the city of Bithynia, which had just suffered from an earthquake. Now, I've not... <laughs> was Suetonius there? <laughs> <laughs> Not that kind of earthquake. Okay. Yeah. But it's only just occurred to me. Maybe I did know this and I've just forgotten because it's a long time ago. I wonder if this is the earthquake that Trajan had to dive through a window to avoid. Oh, ooh. It probably but he's really was. dead though, isn't he? Yeah, but only a few years previously. Well, be, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, it could be. I mean, the, you, you won't get that many earthquakes. No. I'd have to look that up, but let's say it definitely is until we're corrected on Facebook. It's around this time that he falls in love Aww. with Antinous. Aww. If I'm pronouncing that correctly, this is a young man who he meets. Hadrian yeah. then went to Greece and had another great time in Greece. Yeah, he did. Grew his beard a bit more. Ooh. Looked at some philosophy. Aww. Smashed some plates. Oh, yeah. Played that triangular guitar. Yes. He then persuades the leaders of Athens and Sparta to join the Senate, something they'd never done before. Ooh. He loved the idea of Sparta and Athens starting a new golden age in Greece. Oh, that was like a thousand years previous. Yeah, let it go, Adrian. At last... The Spartans by that point were philosophers. <laughs> yeah. At last he heads back to Italy, and he toured the home province for a while. Then he becomes ill, but was soon well enough to head back out on tour. Mm. He got interrupted when he was in Africa before, so back to Africa he goes. And when he arrives, it just so happens that a drought ends. All the people there love him, thinking that he has ended the drought. Maybe he did. You know, you know we get all these water system, water pipes. Maybe some bolt wasn't tied in properly, so he got his Allen wrench out, fix it, water came back. Brilliant. Yeah. Or he just had a backpack full of bottled water with him. Oh, yeah. Handed out the bottles of Avitus. <laughs> it was fine. So he stays there for a while, and then, because he loves Greece so much, he heads back to Greece for a while and attempts to get Athens and Sparta to work at joining all the Greek states together. This doesn't work. <laughs> no, this is a pipe dream for Adrian. It's never going to work. This is Athens! No, it just doesn't sound right. It doesn't, doesn't no. it? No. Then he goes to Sparta, and they're like, why should we join? <laughs> Or sitting around that really ridiculously deep well. Yeah. And just philosophising. Yeah. Who put this well here? It's a terrible danger hazard. <laughs> we should put a mesh over the top. <laughs> yeah. At least a railing. <laughs> Check the budget. <laughs> 
Hadrian then goes to Egypt. He's not visited there yet. And once there, he visits Pompey the Great's tomb. Mm. It was during this time that Antinous dies. Oh, no. Yes, Hadrian was devastated by this. Mm. His young lover had drowned in the river. So he names a new city after him and then deifies the youth. This religion was very popular for a hundred years or so, outstripping Christianity in popularity in some regions. But then it kind of died off. It was then time to visit Jerusalem. Pretty much the only area he's not visited yet. However, this doesn't go so well. He upsets the Jewish people when his laws of attempting to assimilate them into the empire went a little bit too far, to the point that the Jews felt that Hadrian was actually trying to eliminate them all. It's hard to tell how far Hadrian went at this point because we've got two sides of the story. Yeah. Um, but let's just say local people were not happy with what was happening. A man who claimed to be the Jewish Messiah that had been promised for quite some time now stepped up and started the revolt. Hadrian called for his best general, who soon arrived with troops from the Danube. The war was hard-fought and brutal. Dio claims that over half a million Jews were killed. Fifty towns sacked a thousand villages. That's an insane amount of people. Oh, yes. Jerusalem was renamed Aelia Capitolina, and the province was renamed to Syria-Palestinia. There is some suggestion that Jews were kicked out of Jerusalem completely at this point. Interesting. After this, Hadrian heads home. (laughs) Job's done. He wipes his hands together. This will never come back to bite anyone again. (laughs) Easy peasy. (laughs) Then, in 136, he becomes ill, so he starts looking for a successor. He comes across a very serious young man called Marcus Aurelius. However, he's a little bit too young, so Hadrian adopts a man named Lucius, who would have become the stopgap emperor, so Marcus Aurelius could age a little bit, like a fine wine. But then Lucius dies. He was a bit too (laughs) stopgappy. So Hadrian appoints Antoninus Pius, who in turn adopted Marcus Aurelius and the son of Lucius. Hadrian then becomes very ill and was in a lot of pain. He wanted his doctor to kill him. Aww. But his doctor, terrified of carrying out this order, he would be. kills himself instead. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I can't refuse an emperor, so... Oh. Yeah. That's night this pious then comes round to basically tell Hadrian to pull his socks up. <laughs> You're the emperor. It wouldn't do for you to commit suicide. Yeah, cool. Eventually, Hadrian dies in 138 after being in a lot of pain for a long time. That's Pius's fault. (laughs) Yes, it is. He died years ago in, like, relative, you know, not, you know, a bit ill, but could be sorted with. But no. No. Suffer. Suffer. That's what Pius said. Git. Yes. So, that's Hadrian. His policy of keeping the empire secure helps extend the golden age. Trajan acquired a large amount of wealth through conquest. Hadrian then ensures that the empire could keep it by not extending any more, but by building up the defences. He was a very sensible emperor. He was. He didn't do anything very crazy. Phytius Maximus, 13. Approbium Crasium, 8. Successus Ultimus, 15. Imago Facius, 4. The beard got him some points. Oh, yeah. Tempo Completo, an impressive 21 years. He scored 42.63, ranking him 10th. Not bad. Not bad. He is one of the biggest names. But is that enough to get him through? We will find out. Because next it is. Okay, he was born in 51. 
He had an elder sister and an elder brother. Titus. Yes, his father was Vespasian. He is one third of the Flavian dynasty. His mother and sister died when he was young. His father and Titus were off fighting in the east. Fight, fight, fight. So Domitian was left all alone in Rome. He was probably taken under the care of his uncle. He also seems to be close to Nerva. I'm not entirely sure of the details there, though. Wait. <laughs> well, actually, there was a little bit of suggestion really? of that in the, okay. uh, in the sources, but it's very vague. <laughs> he is said to have been well-educated and extremely good at using a bow and arrow. To catch the flies. Twang. Yes. Blue bottle. <laughs> Left wing. When in his late teens, the Emperor Nero commits suicide, and the Empire wow. spins into civil war. That's weird that he was alive during Nero's time. Yeah. That's so far <laughs> in the past. It is, isn't it? His uncle was in charge of the urban cohort at the time, so okay. the police force, yeah. but not the Praetorian Guard. So he had some contact with what was going on. Domitian seems to have kept his head down during the short reign of Galbo and Otho, but once Vitellius enters the city, he was placed under house arrest. By this point, Vitellius was not sure what this general Vespasian in the east was going to do, so puts his son under lock and key. Keep an eye on him. Yeah. Once Vespasian declared himself emperor, fighting starts in Rome. Can't help but feel that's quite a reckless move on Vespasian's part. Yeah. That is putting one of your sons in a lot of danger there. Yes, it is. He's an idiot. Something that perhaps Domitian would have noticed. <laughs> and the eye starts to twitch. Violins. <laughs> yes. Domitian and his uncle were chased down. His uncle was caught and executed. Ooh. But Domitian escapes the city by dressing up as a member of a religious group and sneaking out. Soon after this, one of his father's generals arrived and Domitian was hailed as Caesar. Vitellius was dead. The Senate declared his father emperor, and they also supported Domitian as Caesar. Domitian couldn't help but notice that some of the men who were calling for his death a couple of days ago were now groveling at his feet. Brilliant. That made his eye twitch a bit more. Violence. Violence, yeah. <laughs> the city was in utter chaos for a while until the general Mucianus arrived. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And took charge for Vespasian. Domitian was closely watched. He's 18 at this point. He's got a lot of potential power. He's the son of the emperor. And he's the only member of the royal family in the city. Hmm. Word then comes through of a revolt in Gaul. Domitian goes to Mucianus, wanting a command. After all, his brother already had a command in the east. He was now the Caesar. Surely he should have his own command. Mucianus, unsure but wanting to keep an eye on the young man, agreed. But then word comes through that the revolt was over before it began. Domitian had his legion taken away from him. <laughs> Which twitch. He was bitterly disappointed, so he writes to his uncle-in-law, who had command of a section of the army, demanding that he hand the troops over to him. His letter was completely ignored. <laughs> twitch, twitch. Then Vespasian arrives. Any hope of having a command is gone. Daddy's here. <laughs> He's not going to let Domitian do anything. <laughs> a few years later, Titus returns victorious from fighting the Jewish revolt. <laughs> Vespasian and Titus share a triumph, and Domitian was put right at the front of several carriages back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he, he's put put with the family. Oh. Yeah. 
it's like when you go to a wedding and you suddenly realise you're on the kids' table. Oh, that's depressing. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what that was. And you find that a lot when you're a teacher as well. Yeah, I know it's really annoying, isn't it? You yeah. can't drink while you want to. <laughs> I think maybe he went up to the carriage he knew he was going to be in, opened the curtain and just went, oh, it's full of the kids. I'm in the kids' oh. carriage. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, the king of the Parthians wrote to Vespasian asking for one of his sons to lead an army to wipe out a rebellious tribe. <gasps> Domitian's very excited at this prospect. But Vespasian turns down the request. Domitian, however, is then full of ideas, so he writes to various leaders in the East, offering his services. He was completely ignored. (laughs) (laughs) And then in 79, Vespasian dies. And Titus becomes the emperor. (laughs) He promised Domitian more involvement, but nothing actually really happened. (laughs) In just two short years, Titus was dead. Yeah. <laughs> and there was certainly some rumour that Domitian was behind it, but there is nothing <coughs> to actually support this. <coughs> no. <laughs> Would I? Me? Domitian suddenly finds himself emperor. Yeah. The first thing he does is start to strip the Senate of all their power. All this talk of republic and first amongst equals was ridiculous. He was the emperor. Everyone knew it. He figured that there's no point in continuing this pretense of, oh, obviously the Senate make the decisions. I'm just here to guide them. No, he was the Mm. emperor. He was in charge. However, this is pretty much the only area that he disagreed with Augustus. Because he then decides that now he was emperor, he was going to attempt to be the best emperor the empire has ever seen. And he emulates Augustus as much as he can. Nice. He makes sweeping changes to the running of the government. Apparently the government had never ran as well as it did under Domitian. Wow. It's also reported that corruption was at an all-time low. The Senate were obviously not pleased, however. (laughs) But... Who can I bribe? (laughs) This was going down very well with the rest of the population. Domitian Mm. finds his popularity starting to soar. Well, that's who you need to get on side. Yeah. He's doing very well, but he wanted a military victory under his name. Unfortunately, there was no one invading at the time, which was just very frustrating. It's like, it's like, it's like the buses, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing comes for ages, and suddenly all at once. <laughs> There's a crisis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still, there was a very important census to go and oversee in Gaul, like right next to the border, where one of the legions happened to be stationed. So we'd best go and check on that census, he said to everyone. Yeah, I'm just going over there Yeah. to make sure the census is signed. Have you packed my swords? All (laughs) twelve. Need to open the letters with something. Don't forget the serrated edges. (laughs) And then what a surprise! The Chatai tribes suddenly invade. Without provocation. Well, sort of. I mean, they didn't actually invade, but they were thinking about it, and Domitian <laughs> could tell. So he best go and yeah. invade them before yeah. the Chatai yeah. invade. It's common sense, really, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he won this war. <laughs> and was soon back in Rome celebrating a triumph. Of course you were. Shades of uh, Caligula there. But uh, yeah, at least it. he did actually go and fight rather than make it all up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A couple of years later, he goes up to the Danube region because the Dalmatians had invaded. <laughs> the dogs. <laughs> the dogs are so coming. Spotty. Domitian and his Praetorian prefect clear the area of invaders and then Domitian heads back for a triumph. 
leaving his Praetorian prefect to just mop up. Mopping up meant invade Dacia. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, do the main part of the campaign. I'm just popping back home to celebrate a triumph. So if you yeah. could just sort that out, please. <gasps> His Praetorian prefect, however, does not do well. Oh, dear. And is killed. Ah. A legion's wiped out and his standards are lost. Ooh, he can't lose the standard. He can't lose the standard. So Domitian then is forced to rush back up to the region. He sorts out the area and then sends his troops over the river. This time they were more successful. They were about to head off to the Dacian capital when news comes through that a general in Germania has revolted. <gasps> Domitian decides quickly to make peace with the Dacians so he can go and deal with the uprising. However, this peace deal was very generous to the Dacians and most in Rome saw it as very shameful. Ooh. Rome had to give the Dacians a lump sum every year. Ooh. The Dacians would then use that to fund their own army. Oh, no. Yeah, it was not going down well. However, Domitian then was able to go and put down the revolt nice and quickly. So he obviously saw that as the lesser of two evils. Yeah, you got to prioritise. By 89, Domitian was becoming increasingly paranoid and savage in his punishments. This is when he starts toying with people. Oh, yeah. oh yes, I remember that. <laughs> yes, like the black meal. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. This era is... When things start going off the scales a little bit. I like to think this is when Gilbert was, was hired. Yes. Gilbert the, the death gonger. Yeah. It's like, I need someone just to ring a bell, not say anything, just look fierce. <laughs> look at the people, just gong your bell really intensely as you're yeah. gonging it. Gong. Spent several days interviewing and then gong. just got bored to so hide Gilbert. <laughs> yeah. Gong. He can give a beat. So. Yeah. That's all yeah. Counts, really. It's impressive. The Senate grow to despise Domitian at this point. They feel like they are being persecuted. In 96, a man who worked in the palace walked to work with a bandaged arm. Oh, I remember this. The guard, used to seeing this injury because the man had hurt himself a while ago, did not think to search him. The man was able to enter the room of Domitian, telling the emperor that he had uncovered an assassination plot. He had a list of names on a piece of paper, and they were plotting to kill him. Oh. While passing the piece of paper over, he then stabs Domitian in the groin. Oh. Oh. And I still really, <laughs> really hope <laughs> that on the piece of paper, it just had the name of the man with the bandaged arm on it. So yeah. Domitian looks at the name and then looks up at the guy and it suddenly clicks that he's about to be killed. And it, Yeah, he gets given the, the, the scroll parchment. The guy's just smiling at him, looks down, sees that guy's name... Looks back up, stony faced, holding a knife. <laughs> yes. Didn't even oh. see him move. <laughs> oh dear. Yes, Domitian's not killed instantly, so he attempts to. Well, wrestle... you wouldn't, would you? It's been immense pain. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> well, he attempts to break the fingers off his assassin to get the knife off him, but there's so much blood. It's too slippery, so he can't. Oh. So by this point, others had come to join in the fun, and they all stepped him to death. Oh, that's horrible. Yes, it is. An interesting character is Domitian. He did some very good things. He did some, he did some fantastic things. He obviously also became a bit paranoid and a bit killy at the end, as we discussed in the appropriate crazy to be fair, he was right. Well, yeah, they were after him. <laughs> they definitely were after him. Yeah, so made some good decisions, some bad decisions. Mm. An interesting character. Uh, yeah, he's very interesting. Yeah. He scored eight in five years Maximus, an impressive 17 in a Promium Crasium, successus Ultimus 14, Imago Facius 2.75, and he reigned for 15 whole years. Mm. A 
total score of 43.68, ranking him 8th overall. Can I try one sentence summary? Go on then. He was denied. He was then denied. He was denied again. He had a twitch. He then got denied. He became emperor. Some great reforms. He got very paranoid. Rightly so. Death. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that sums it up. Yeah. yeah. That's Domitian. But of course we have one more. And I know that you're very excited about this one. Oh yeah. This way left at the end, didn't you? But I, no, I'm doing them in the order they were poured out the hats. So it's oh, how it happens. okay. Yeah. Okay then. Let's do this. Commodus. Okay, just like I did with Caligula, because we talked about Commodus in the Opprobrium Crazy in recap. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try and leave the crazy stuff to a minimum and just... Rob, there's only one sentence on your, <laughs> on your page. <laughs> and just look at what he did as an emperor without getting carried away with the crazy. Then we could talk about the crazy a bit if you really want to. Okay. He was born in 161 near Rome. As we saw in Marcus Aurelius's recap recently, he was a twin. His twin brother was Titus. He did not last long. No. There's only so long you're lasting in a cot with Commodus. <laughs> Commodus was well educated, but he did not take to his studies well, apparently. By the time he was 11, he was in the Roman headquarters for the war against the Marcomanni. He was given the title of Germanicus at this time, because his father had won victories. It's around this time that Cassius accidentally revolts. <laughs> and then dies, as we've covered before. Commodus then goes with his father on tour in the east. Marcus Aurelius starts to have doubts about his son at this point and attempts <laughs> to get him to grow up a little bit. It's the way he keeps killing animals and yeah. torturing them. Pinning rats to a board. I mean, it's still alive. Yeah. And gutting them. Still alive. It's worrying. Worrying yeah. the ever so slightly. And then next, slaves. <laughs> getting expensive. <laughs> so in an attempt to get him a bit more responsible, he makes him consul at the amazingly young age of 15. I get I get why, you know, it's give him responsibility, give him a job, give him something to do, focus him, see, see responsibility, but now he's just got power. Yeah, there is a problem there, isn't there? Then in 177, he has made full Augustus. Joint emperor. Joint emperor. Woo. Oh yes, inflating the head. Commodus starts employing people that he likes, and then his father immediately starts firing them. Ooh. <laughs> not suitable, but to be fair, not all of them. He does let some stay. Commodus also gets married at this point. Then, while up north fighting, Marcus Aurelius becomes ill, and then he dies, leaving the war to his son, saying, whatever you do, don't stop the war. This is important. Commodus then stops the war. He makes a peace treaty and returns to Rome immediately. Although, to be fair to him, as we said in his episode, this peace treaty actually works quite well. Yeah. It quickly becomes clear, however, that he's not interested in running the state in the same way his father was. The polite way to describe it would be that he was a delegator. <laughs> One area that he did work on, though, was dismantling the Senate. Ooh. He cared very little for names or tradition. If he did not like the family, they were out. Then, when walking to the games, an assassin jumped out and was able to get close enough to stab him, and he would have managed it if he had not paused for dramatic effect and shouted, This dagger the Senate sends thee. By the time he'd finished the sentence, the guards had wrestled him to the ground. Idiot. I know, such an idiot. This dagger the Senate... Dra Commodus shoved a sword through his chest. <laughs> this dagger the sword... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of just whistles and just wanders off. 
Yeah, no, actually, this unnerves Commodus quite a bit, really? understandably. He then is very upset to learn that his sister was behind the assassination attempt. Ooh. She is exiled and then discreetly killed shortly afterwards. Oh, oh dear. One of the plotters was a man named Perennis, but he was able to get away with it and become Praetorian Prefect. He then ran the Empire while Commodus did whatever he wanted. Games. <laughs> yes. Commodus trained to be a gladiator while Perennis ran the Empire. Then war erupts in Dacia. Two generals were sent to deal with this, Nigel the Black and Albert the White. Ah, the wizards. The wizards. Obviously, they sorted out quite quickly. They summoned dragons and all sorts of shit. (laughs) I shall bring dragons from the north! That's Nigel the Black. Yes. Albert the White's just got... I shall hail the wind. Oh, that's that's, that's boring. That's that's like the... um, Storm and X-Men. I was thinking of uh, love in Captain Planet. Everyone's got their elements that they can fight with. They've love. just got love. Fire, earth, wind, love. So oh, you're what? not fighting with love, are you? No. Punch him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, the war was soon put down. Commodus carries on playing his games. A while later, a man named Cleander was able to scheme his way into Commodus's good books and replace his Perennis who was ruthless but not corrupt. Cleander, on the other hand, was the definition of corrupt. Literally. <laughs> oh, he's a very Cleandery kind of person. Yeah, exactly. It's here that the Empire starts sinking quickly. Yes. Cleander takes over the reins of government and sets about a policy of making sure that Cleander got as rich as possible. That'd be like um, lowering taxes for the rich, wouldn't it? Yeah, he did all that kind of things. Yeah. He'd tell people that it was like for everyone, but actually it was just for him. Yeah, it's a top-down thing. It'll, it'll filter down. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even taxes breaks for the rich. It was tax breaks for him. It was even more extreme than that. It literally was Cleander gets everything. Everyone else gets nothing. With the full support of Commodus, he sold positions in the Senate, while at the same time using treason trials to get rid of unwanted senators. Cleander also sells governorships, army commands, consulships. Things go to rack and ruin in no time at all. Of course it would. More assassination plots then take place, but they're unsuccessful. Commodus retreats even more. He's nervous at this point. He also kills his wife at this point after accusing her of infidelity. Cleander, by now, was stripping the Praetorian Guard of their power by constantly hiring and firing the Praetorian Prefects. I remember this. Yes. That would annoy them. Oh, it does, but eventually he gives himself the top job. He combines the two Praetorian Prefect posts into one position and renames it the Dagger Bearer. Oh, that's a cool name, though. In 190, 25 people were consul in one year. All of them presumably bought the position off Cleander. However, things take a turn for the worst when the grain stops coming in. Probably because everything's falling apart due to all the corruption. Cleander was blamed. A mob chases him to Commodus's house, and Commodus simply let the mob have him. That sort of plays into Commodus's people love me sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Commodus was 29 by this point and decides that he best make a start at actually ruling. He was the emperor, after all. (laughs) Unfortunately, however, he starts losing his grip on reality at this point. He decided he was Hercules and starts dressing up like him. Yeah, it is. Including the club. Yeah! He renamed the empire Comediana. It's a very funny place to live. (laughs) Yes, it was. And he changed the names of the mumps to all 12 (gasps) of his names, apart from Germanicus. What the hell? I know. (laughs) That's a point taken off. Exactly. He was quick to kill anyone. (laughs) 
I did put he disliked in my notes, but I'm just going to leave it. He was quick <laughs> to kill anyone. <laughs> by the end of 193, a plot was formed by a group of senators who realised it was him or them. One of the Praetorian prefects hatched a plot. There was a rumour that it was started with Marcia, his mistress, Ooh. who accidentally stumbled across an execution order with her name, the Praetorian prefect's name, and a man named Pertinax. But that may have been planted evidence. Yes, we don't know if this is true. Together, they approached Pertinax, who agreed to take on the role of Emperor after Commodus was dead. Possibly. There's debates on this as well. Listen to the episodes for more details. On the 31st of December, 193, Marcia poisoned the beef that Commodus was eating. However, the Emperor vomited up his food and then went for a nice bath. <laughs> the conspirators hastily come up with Plan B. They approach Narcissus, an athlete who had trained with Commodus. A WWE wrestler. Yes. Narcissus agreed to help, went into the baths, and soon came out of the baths, implying that Commodus was dead. Okay. (laughs) I was trying to think of something he was doing that would imply he strangled him. You don't need anything to strangle someone. Maybe drying his hands on the water. I don't know. He came out saying, Way, good job I strangled him easily. Yes, Woo! that's what he did. And the guards looked at each other in a very confused way. What? Yes, I strangled him. <clears throat> With my bare hands. And the guards were like, okay. Uh, okay. Cool. Hell Pertinax. <laughs> so that is Commodus. By far our lowest scorer here. He only scores a total of 29.81. Hmm. He was an awful, awful emperor. He took the golden age and he crashed it into a tree. Yeah, it'd be like ruling a country that's doing really well, then suddenly putting a load of reforms in place that make it burn and crash. And Yeah, it's just terrible. Just social problems and death. Yeah. 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 Fightus Maximus 4, Probium Crasium, Full Marks 20. <laughs> Successus Ultimus, nothing. Of course not. Imago Facius... 4.25, it's a good strong look he had. Mm. Tempo completo, 12 and a half years. Like I say, a total score of 29.81. He ranks 29th overall, by far our weakest of the four. Oh, yeah, he has a club. But he does have a club with nails in. We might have made up the nails. <laughs> so there you go, that is Commodus. And now we have a decision to make. I think we can both agree on Aurelian going through. Aurelian's going through. He's going <laughs> So there we go. But I must admit, Oh, actually, no, no, I know who's going out as well. Hadrian? Hadrian. Yeah, I agree. I I, I, I agree with that. He was a good emperor. Yes. But not that interesting. And also, he he made some bad decisions in the East. He started a a rebellion. Yeah. Due to his poor decision-making. That's not good. That's a lot of people died because of that war. Don't get me wrong... He made some very good decisions, yeah. and the Golden Age continues because of him. And if he was against other people, then yes, I could see him going through. But this is such a tough round. Yeah. Uh, like Vespasian last week, he doesn't deserve to be last. No. But he's against such stiff competition. That's true. I think I'm going to have to put him last. I agree, because I think the other emperors had more things that were more interesting. As good as he was, we're not denying that. Yeah. You know, Commodus War. A lion's head. Is <laughs> that a furry lion's head? You're allowed to say that. Um, furry lion's head. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so that is already on top, Hadrian bottom then, yes? Yes. Oh, so we've got a choice. For two different reasons. Yeah. Commodus, in my opinion, is far more interesting. Why? He's mental. 
He wore a lion's head and carried a club around. He went to the Colosseum and shot ostriches in the neck with a specially designed arrow. Don't forget, though, Domitian also has some very good bow and arrow stories. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was also meant to be very good with the bow and arrow. That's and true. And did humorous things with his as well. Hey, what? Yes, he, he liked to shoot arrows between the fingers of slaves. Oh? Yeah. That's not funny. <laughs> That's not... <laughs> Let's say who we're edging more towards. Okay. Then if we disagree, yeah. we have to defend it. Okay. Say why they should. Okay. After three? After three, yeah. One. Three, two... <laughs> this is far too confusing. Three. After three, yeah. counting from one up to three, and then after three we say the name. No, I think three, two, one. Then on the zero. Three, so, two, one. Eh. So after one. Yeah. <laughs> right, let's do this. Three, three two, two, one. one. Oh, we've gone through six rounds right till the very end That's true. where we disagree. That's okay. But we've finally a tricky got a disagreement. Round. It is yeah. a tricky round. Okay, then. Defend Commodus. Why should he go through? He's interesting as hell. He was terrible for the Empire. He, And he's interesting because of that. He he went from a golden age to a... Oh, my God, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. You can imagine somebody starting off, you know, as they, they woke up one morning. Oh, Commodus is em- Emperor. Yeah. Go into a coma, wake up the day Commodus dies and goes... Whoa! the hell's going on i had a house i had a family we had an empire it was all great what's going on and he wore a lion's head he he did dress up and he had the club i will give you that massive club okay against commodus what does commodus bring to the table we've already massive club. (laughs) we've already got caligula if we want crazy can you imagine that So, is he bringing anything new? Also, he was just a terrible emperor. Domitian also has his good, crazy stories, but was interestingly good. He wiped out corruption. He arguably ran the empire better than any emperor before him, according to some sources. (laughs) So much so that the Senate despised him, and therefore wrote slanderous things against him. Were these these the sources that were scared of him? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) He was amazing! I'm writing us on my own free will. Sword against the throat. So I, I think Domitian is an interesting character who was fairly characterised as being insane and terrible. I think he was actually a very good emperor. But he just lost it a bit towards the end. <laughs> the downhill paranoia. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree. I, From what I'm hearing, he's, he was a great emperor. Yeah. Is that not persuaded you? No. We have to toss for it. I think we are going to have to toss. Can we have uh, Commodus as the lion? Because that's War Lion's head. Okay, Commodus for the lion. Gene César for Domitian. Oh, that's a that's a well, that's a good yeah. one to have. Here we go. We can't decide. It's up to Jupiter. Who's going through to the semis? It is. Oh, it's Commodus. It's Commodus. The lion gets it. Sorry, Domitian. I think you should have gone through. It's a shame to have no Flavians. In the semi-finals, despite how well their dynasty did. Did think they should be represented. Oh, did, oh he lost on a coin toss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm oh, sorry <laughs> for him. <laughs> <laughs> the flies. Because chopsticks are out, for damn sure. But... Oh, I forgot to mention the flies. Would the flies have changed your mind? 
No. Oh, no. Okay. Fair enough. The coin's said. The coin's spoken. We've got to do it. Okay. Right. Well, that's it then. So that means we now have all of our semi-finals planned. Yes. So semi-final number one is Caracalla, Valentinian, Augustus, and Constantius Three. I think that's quite easy to call. Really? Possibly. I don't know. We can only put one through, remember, in the semi-finals. It's not two. Yeah, I know, but I, I, I think there's one that will, if we don't put through, yeah, okay. more, more death threats. But we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I, I like a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, semi-final number two is Diocletian, Constantine the Great, Aurelian, and Theodosius. This is going to get harder, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's going to get so much harder. <laughs> Again, we can <gasps> choose one. Do you know what, though? What? Round three. Looking forward to that. Round three? <laughs> it's Caligula, Constantius II, Trajan, and Commodus. Oh, Caligula and Commodus. I'm looking forward to that. Yes. And let's face it, Constantius II was no saint himself, was he? <laughs> That's a crazy round. That is. Poor Trajan, our sanest of emperors. He's actually quite scared in the cage. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's an interesting set of semi-finals. Only putting one through from each one. That is going to be tricky. I think semi-final one's going to be the easiest to call, like you say. But the other two, oh, that is tricky. Right, but <clears throat> next week will not... I'm afraid to say, be the first semi-finals. We're going to have at least a week off. Um, might be two weeks, depending on how the holiday season goes. But in the meantime, we will definitely release at least the Cleopatra episode. Yes! The Roman Republic. <gasps> and our first female episode. Our first female episode, yes. And we might also get round to doing Anthony's episode during the holiday period, depending on how much time I have. Yeah. I don't know yet. So, but... Definitely Cleopatra yeah. will be released over the next week or so. However, if you want to be a Senate member and listen to that episode, you uh, donate as little as $1 a month, and that'd be great. Yes, you'll have access to all of our Republic episodes, including Julius Caesar, Sulla, oh. Marius, the Gracchi brothers, oh, yeah. Drusus. Yeah. Yes. Still really enjoyed that Tribune of the Plebs trilogy. Oh, the Gracchi brothers are fantastic. Yeah, they that were very really interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah. So you can go and listen to all of those if you join our Senate. And all that needs to be said then is thank you to all of you, our listeners, for, for spreading the word, getting involved. Yeah, don't forget, you yes. can, um, as you probably do, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter. You can also download us from Podbean, iTunes and Stitcher. Yes. And now that leaves us just to say, as we end this episode, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. good to be honest old boy you sound terrible yes yeah, this man flu has really kicked in doctor says it could be any moment now oh dear yes so we're literally working to the minute yes i'm afraid so it's still look on the bright side if you could tell me the bright side i mean that would be great your voice is recorded yes exactly i'll go down in history you'll, you'll live through uh, well i won't but no but but my voice will Yes, this is wonderful. Yes. I'm very proud. And I must say, Clarence, it's been a pleasure to know you. Well, Cyril, with my stiff upper lip, I must say it's been it's an honorary pleasure. Yes, I don't want to go overboard, but 
you've been somewhat similar to a second cousin to me. Oh, I, 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 I've never been taught such. I, I'm sorry, Clarence. I've gone too far. Oh. <laughs> I'll rein it in. I do apologise. It's the emotions they're searching for <clears throat> right now. Yes, yes. Uh, let's let's like like the virus. Let's um, let let's start the match, shall we? Let's let's crack on. What's today? Uh, today is a spike match. Oh, wonderful! All the competitors have massive spikes. I was hoping for something more original, but fair enough. Let's uh, let's see how it goes. Yes. Oh. And welcome to the Coliseum this Sunday! It's Saturday, Chad! You're damn right! This Saturday! And I'm Chad! And I'm Hickory! And how are you, Hickory? I'm gonna die soon, Chad, but I'm so excited to be here! We're all damn excited to be here! And here our competitors are entering the stadium! And first out of the block is Hadrian! Oh, look at his bed! I'm mightily impressed! He's carrying a lot of bricks with him. He sure is. He's got bricks in the spike. He knows what he's got to do. He's got a plan. He's going to build that wall and hope for the best. And who's this, Chad? My God, it's Domitian. Look at his high twitch. It's mildly impressive. He can hardly walk in a straight line for all the damn twitching he's doing. Oh, he's got his bow and arrow. And oh, look at him. He's managed to shoot a member of the audience right in the eye. Ooh. That is some marksmanship. And how they're applauding. That's damn good marksmanship. That's for damn sure. Oh, what's that? Another arrow's hit that poor man's face in the other eye. It's Commodus. My God. Is that a line on his head? It's not even dead. It's Mr. Stabby. My God. He's just tied onto Commodus's back. See him writhing around there? I can see Carol Keller in the audience. He's not happy about this one bit. Nah, as well, he's frowning. Oh my God, he's scared. I'm scared, Chad. I'm very scared. And they're walking to the match. They're picking up their spikes. But we are missing one competitor. But it, it, it started. It started. The bell's gone. Aurelian is late. I don't know what's going on. I have no idea, but he just picked up the spike. Oh, he's heading towards the mission. He's got the spike in his hand. The mission dodges. Oh, he did a roll there underneath. He always got him in a headlock. He's got Hadrian in a headlock. Commodus is just smiling. Commodus has dropped his spike. He's pulled out a club. I don't think that's legal. It is really not. That's a massive club. Oh my God, he's got nails in it. Oh, and he's hit Hadrian right in the back. Oh, that's gonna hurt tomorrow. Oh, he is in pain. You can tell by all the bloods and the screaming. And the fact that his head exploded is a good indication that he may have died. Oh, you can see it's the beard, and it's clogged with blood. He's not getting up. And he's flying into the crowd. The crowd is jumping for it. Oh, there's a nice little eight-year-old boy that's grabbed the beard. I remember when I was a boy, I used to grab all the heads. You see the splash zones. Oh, Connors is pulling out his bow and arrow. Oh, and so's the mission. Are they going to have an arrow off? I, I think they are. They're going to arrow off each other. They're not aiming at each other, Chad. What's going the, on? They're aiming towards that weird target that's been painted haphazardly on the side. Oh, it's a bullseye. That's a damn good shot. Oh, another bullseye from Commodus as well. They're nowhere near the target, but those two bulls are now dead. Or at least now visually impaired. That's for damn sure, Chad. And now they've gone out to smaller targets there. Is that an ostrich? That is a damn ostrich. It's not anymore. It's a headless ostrich now. <laughs> My God, the speed they are massacring these animals. It is horrendous. Now they're going down to little animals. That's a bunny rabbit. That's dead. Is that a rat? No, it's just rat meat. It's dead. And now, what, what are they aiming at? It's hard to see. Is that a fly? 
I tell you, I'm not happy with this, this at all. It's not what I came to watch. This is done into archery. This isn't a sport, goddamn. You know what, chap? What? I've had enough of this. What? I'm gonna go in there. I'm gonna suck this out. No, don't be a fool, man. I've only got a day to live anyway. I'm going in. I'm don't gonna, be a fool. I'm gonna pick up this chap. I'm gonna smash them around the face. You watch me go. I'm going, chap. I'm going. Jack, I've got a chance, Jack! Come back! I'm gonna kill them all! You're gonna be killed! No, Hick, come back! Don't be a fool! Uh, oh, no, Hick's dead. He fell like a stack of potatoes. Oh my god, Aurelian's coming out! His music's playing! He's stepped over Hick's body! He's got his sword out! Oh, he slapped out the mission's head! It's rolling! It's rolling! It's about to laugh! Oh my god, there's blood everywhere! But we now have our two winners here! The referee's gone for the bell! Is now Aurelian and Commodus! Oh my god! It, Hickory's dead! Hickory's dead! Damn shame! Oh my god, who are we gonna find to replace him? This is, this is a damn shame! I'm happy for the winners and all, but he was my friend! He was more than a friend, he's a brother! Well, we'll find someone for next week, that's for damn sure! And thank you for joining us this Saturday! It's. <laughs> oh, Hick, why have you gone, man? I love you! I love you! Ah, surely you really went for it this week. It was very convincing. The way you jumped in there and you, you joined the competitors. Uh, how, are you, how are you feeling? Cyril? Cyril? Oh. Oh, you're actually dead. Ah, well, I guess I should go and um, console your ex-wife. Yes. This is a damn shame, that's for sure. He was toughing a two-dollar steak in Texas in the winter, which never has snow, but you get some tough steak because the, <laughs> the cows are cold. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>